NPR. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Darian Woods. And I'm Waylon Wong. We are entering a pivotal time for a program that affects tens of millions of people in the U.S. And that is the SNAP program, which helps people buy food every month. In a few days, extra benefits that were paid out as part of pandemic relief efforts are going away. And a few months after that, the government will reinstate requirements around certain people needing to work to get their benefits. These work requirements are at the crux of a larger ideological debate about safety net programs like SNAP and how they're designed. Does government aid discourage recipients from working? Or does it help bridge gaps while people try to improve their living situations? Today on the show, we look at new economic research that tries to answer that perennial question at the heart of welfare. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. Discover Babson College's Master of Science and Management in Entrepreneurial Leadership Program, an intensive nine-month journey that equips recent college graduates with practical skills for today's dynamic business landscape. Tackle real-world challenges and emerge with a problem-solving mindset. Whether you choose to start your own business or innovate within a corporation, a master's from Babson will help launch your career forward. Apply today at babson.edu slash msleader. SNAP stands for Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. It used to be called food stamps. And the program can run a little differently state by state, but here's how it generally works. People qualify for SNAP if their household income falls below certain levels. They get a debit card that's loaded with money every month, and they can use that card at supermarkets, some dollar stores, sometimes even farmer's markets. Mary Zaki is an economist at the University of Maryland. She studies programs like SNAP. You can only use that for food that you tend to prepare at home. Hot foods that are already prepared, like a rotisserie chicken won't count. I had no idea rotisserie chicken doesn't count. That's right. It's not really meant to cover all your food needs, but it's supposed to supplement your income. SNAP is also just for food, so participants can't use their benefits to buy diapers or toilet paper. And there are also these rules about what some participants have to do to keep getting their benefits, rules about working. When people hear work requirements and SNAP, what they probably are more referring to are a specific set of work requirements that are for a certain type of adult enrollees. And these are childless adults who are able-bodied, and who are younger than age 50. So adults who are younger than 50 do not have a disability and do not have kids. They represent a relatively small group within SNAP. The majority of the program's participants are kids, seniors, or adults with disabilities. But this group of childless, able-bodied adults under 50 is the one that has to meet work requirements. And this group gets its own acronym. ABODS, that stands for Able-Bodied Adults Without Dependents. It's a strange acronym, but um, bear with us. We will use it for the rest of the show because uh, it's easier than just saying all that out loud. This is like government speak at its finest, I think. I like the, the, the conciseness and the specificity, though. ABODs have to work 80 hours a month. Those hours could be paid work, volunteer work, or a job training program. If they don't hit 80 hours, they're limited to just three months of SNAP benefits within a three-year period. 
In the mid-1990s, the Clinton administration introduced work requirements for ABODs in SNAP. It was part of the welfare reform at the time. And since then, these rules have become a recurring political flashpoint. So why is the Biden administration not promoting work? That's Republican Senator John Bozeman of Arkansas at a Senate hearing just last week. SNAP is a valuable program, but it should lead to self-reliance, not generational dependence. Mary says this is the common refrain by policymakers who support work requirements. They believe, okay, people will have work requirements and then that will promote self-sufficiency among those who receive government payments and then they don't need that aid anymore. Earlier this month, Mary and four other researchers published a paper that tried to answer the question, does unconditional government aid discourage work? Their paper said results of previous research on work requirements in SNAP have produced mixed results, likely because of the kinds of surveys that economists have relied on for data. The breakthrough for Mary and her colleagues was getting access to granular data from one particular state. They studied a group of ABODs in Virginia during and after the Great Recession. In Virginia, work requirements for SNAP were suspended between 2009 and 2013. This provided the researchers with a kind of natural experiment to see what happened in Virginia with and without work requirements. And the economists got data about this group's employment and earnings in the 18 months after work requirements went back into effect. What we do is we link SNAP enrollees to their wage data. Oh, so when you mean you link them, does it like down to an individual person? That's right. And that linking is really important because we can follow their wage journey even if they are no longer on SNAP. If SNAP participants went from unemployed to working or started earning more money, those outcomes would show up in the data. But when the researchers looked at employment and wages for this group 18 months after work requirements went back into effect, they couldn't find any improvement. There was basically zero increase in employment and earnings. At the same time, with those work requirements back in place, SNAP participation among this group went down almost 40%. So 40% fewer people getting those benefits. So what does that show? They are facing a more immediate barrier to working than the disincentives from receiving SNAP benefits. For example, Mary says these ABODs in Virginia were more likely than non-ABODs to be homeless, and they were less likely to have other sources of income. So the ones that lost their SNAP benefits didn't have a lot of options, and it wasn't as simple as just going out and getting a job. If the goal is to produce self-sufficiency, then it's important to identify what these more immediate barriers are to working rather than going the route of work requirements. Critics of work requirements for SNAP and other programs say that wielding these rules as a kind of stick, like find a job or else we'll take away your benefits, withholds crucial assistance for people who really need the help. Katie Spiker is Managing Director of Government Affairs at the National Skills Coalition. It's an organization that advocates for workforce training. It opposes work requirements in SNAP. Someone working is a good thing. When we really see the long-term impacts of someone being part of a training program, it's when people have access to transportation that can get them to and from that job. It's when people have access to the food that they need in order to perform on that job. All of those are things that most of the programs that focus on work requirements are not enabling people to have access to. SNAP is funded by the Farm Bill, which is being renegotiated this year. When the legislation was updated in 2018, House Republicans pushed for expanding work requirements for SNAP to all adults. 
This proposal wasn't successful, but Katie says she expects supporters of work requirements to try again this year. Her organization has its own wish list for the wider SNAP program, like making sure support services such as childcare are included in worker training. It's also calling more broadly for greater investment in digital skills education. We're digging up our materials from 2018 and updating some of the numbers. I mean, the the real thing that uh, keeps coming back to me is how little the need has changed except for to get even larger. So all of the challenges that we saw with people being able to access skills while still desperately needing those nutrition benefits has only been exacerbated by the economic crisis that we've seen over the past few years. The new farm bill and the future of the SNAP program are being negotiated now at a time when inflation and unemployment are in flux and as a fight rages over the debt ceiling and government spending. Buckle up. This episode was produced by Noah Glick with engineering by Catherine Silva. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Viet Laser senior producer, Kate Cannon edits the show and The Indicator is a production of NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, you'll get thoughtful, in-depth analysis of both the stock and the bond markets. Listen today and subscribe at schwab.com slash on investing or wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out what's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First every day. Listen every morning wherever you get your podcasts.